If you would, take your Bibles and open them to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke chapter 16. Again, thank you all for being here. Appreciate our visitors being with us this morning. Appreciate your presence. We have some that come every year or so, and we're always glad to, to see you back, and we appreciate you being here, and some who may be here for the first time, and we thank you for that as well. As Larry mentioned in the opening remarks, we um, strive to do what we have done, or to do what we have been shown to do in the first, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, and um, we simply seek to, to worship our God and to serve Him as He has commanded us to do so. Thank you all for being here. If you, if you are visiting with us, uh, please take a moment to fill out a visitor's card and, and give that to me or one of the other men who have led our services. And uh, we'd appreciate having a record of your visit. And if we can reach out to you and uh, communicate with you in the future, that would be great. You know, there's an aspect of God that many in the world and even in the religious world uh, attempt to deny. And that is that our God is a righteous judge. Now, they are perfectly fine in accepting the loving side of God, but they won't accept him as one who punishes those who disobey him. In Romans 11, verse 22, Paul says, Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fail, severity... But to you, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. In context here, the Apostle Paul is explaining that God did not reject Israel. That Israel, in fact, rejected God. And they made it so by the decisions that they made. God provided overwhelming opportunity for them to remain faithful to him. But they refused time and time again. And I'll tell you that God's nature has not changed. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He's willing to give all that he has to redeem us back to him. And he has done that. He has provided a way of salvation for the whole world. And that way is through his son, Jesus Christ. But we must still decide that we will accept what he has offered. If we decide to recognize who Jesus is and be obedient to him, then we experience God's kindness. But if we reject Jesus... If we do not believe that he is the Son of God and reject the teachings of him and about him, then we will experience God's severity. There's an account in the Bible that illustrates this so vividly. And that is the account of the rich man and Lazarus here in Luke chapter 16. Here Jesus tells us, how the things done in this life will dictate how we spend our eternity. Let's read the account, and we'll discuss it in more detail. If you're here in Luke chapter 16, we'll begin in verse 19 reading. A familiar story to us about the rich man and Lazarus. 
Beginning verse 19 of Luke 16. Now there was a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. And a certain poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling out of the rich man's, or falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it came about that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able, and those none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Jesus tells of two men, a rich man and a poor man. And that poor man is named. His name is Lazarus. And the rich man was very rich. He dressed well. It seems that he ate well. In fact, Jesus says that he was in the habit of dressing well, in purple and fine linen. Many of us know about the color purple. It was expensive to make back then. It wasn't easy to come by. So really only the wealthy and the, uh, and the prestigious people would wear purple clothing. And, and by doing so, that became a symbol of wealth and prestige. Lazarus, on the other hand was on the other end of the spectrum. He was poor, about as poor, about as miserable a state as a man can be in in this world. He was physically ill, he was covered with sores on his body, and he was a beggar. And he lied at the gate of the rich man's house. And he just wanted the crumbs that fell off of the rich man's table so that he can sustain his life. Can you imagine being that hungry? That you're longing just for the crumbs that people drop on the floor. His condition was so bad that the dogs would come and lick his sores. It's hard to imagine any lower condition of a man in this world. But there's something in common with these two men. 
And that is that they both died. But after they died, they wound up in very different places. In fact, you might say that they wound up in the opposite places in eternity than they were on earth. You see, death is the great equalizer. Look back there at verse 25. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. And the rich man, he lived a life of, of luxury. Lazarus lived a life of want. But now he is being comforted and you are in agony. They switched places, didn't they? Death is the great equalizer. Gone are the good things that the rich man used to receive. And also gone are the bad things that Lazarus used to receive. We need to be very careful about placing stock in worldly things. There's a saying that goes, you can't take it with you. And how true that is. Jesus tells the parable of, of the rich man in Luke chapter 12. Remember that one? That rich man, he had so much, he said, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store up all these things in this world so that I'll have abundance. And then I'll say to myself, you've done good. But that very night he would die. His soul would be required of him. And what will happen to all those things that he had stored up in this life? They'll just simply pass to another. Jesus ends that parable in verse 21 by saying, So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We need to be very careful about putting stock in worldly things. It's okay for us to prosper in this life. It's okay for us to, to have food and clothing, roof over our heads. But when we start putting those things first and start setting our lives after acquiring those things and more and more of those things, bigger and bigger barns, we're making a big mistake. Those things won't go with us into eternity. The preparations we need to be making... The barns we need to be building are not physical, but spiritual. We need to be rich towards God, doing the things that He has prescribed, focusing on love and mercy and kindness. Those are the kinds of barns we need to be building. And we need to recognize that we are, are simply passing through this life, we are passing through this world. Yes, we can enjoy the things of this world while we're here. I, I, I thought about, you know, we live in a vacation spot in the world. We have lots of good friends that come by once a year and see us here. And, and that's okay. God gave us this world to enjoy. Look, you think about the, the wonders of his creation. The magnificence of all that he has created, all this around us. These beautiful waters and beautiful sand that we have here. It's okay to enjoy those things. But think about this. As beautiful as this world is, 
How beautiful must heaven be? It's too late after death to begin worrying about spiritual things. The rich man was in terrible anguish. Terrible anguish. And he could see Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. It says there in verse 23. He could see him. Yet he was in fiery torment where he was. So much so that he wanted Abraham to send Lazarus over so that he could just put a drop of water on his tongue to cool him off. See how the tables have turned? Lazarus used to beg for crumbs that fell off the rich man's table. Now here, the rich man is begging for just a drop of water from Lazarus's fingertip. In this we see that Lazarus and the rich man are in very different places. And that a separation has been made between them. Look at verse 26. It says, And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, in order that those who wish to come over from here to you may not be able to, and that none may cross over from there to us. There's a great chasm fixed. There is a separation. There is a physical boundary by which these two cannot cross from one to another. And it's impossible, as I said, for one to cross over to the other. Lazarus, uh, the rich man wanted Lazarus to come over and to help him. He was in torment. But Abraham says there's a great chasm fixed so that you may not cross over. And this is the duality that we mentioned and we talked about in the, in the introduction. This speaks of the kindness and the severity of God. So many in this world think that we're all going to go to heaven when we die. And that only the evil, the most evil among us are going to go to hell. But the Lord sees it differently. He sees that, that the ones who do what his father has said to do, those are the ones that go to heaven. In Matthew 7, beginning verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, hell is not just reserved for the most evil in this world. It's reserved for those who do not do what God tells them to do. The rich man, he goes on to beg Abraham um, to, to send Lazarus to his father's house. He, he's, he's got five brothers there. He wants to tell them about the anguish that he's in. So that maybe they could avoid it. 
Remember what Abraham tells him? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, God has already told them what they need to do. God doesn't leave us wanting. He doesn't leave us in need of knowing what he wants from us. He has told us. He's told us what we need to do. The rich man says, well, but that's not enough. Someone needs to come back from the dead. And then they'll repent. Look at verse 31. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. I love the way that so poignantly ends. Because that's the story of the gospel. And those who would reject the gospel. Jesus walked this earth telling people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yet they still didn't believe him. And then Jesus is publicly put to death, hung on a terrible cross, shamefully murdered. And then publicly he rose from the dead. Many people saw it. The apostles saw it. Some 500 Paul records in 1 Corinthians saw it. It wasn't done in a corner. It was a public knowledge. Many people saw the resurrected Christ. Yet they still don't believe. And that's exactly what Abraham is telling the rich man here. Got Moses and the prophets? Not enough? Okay, a man rises from the dead. There's some that that's still not going to be enough. Sounds like the situation that we're in in this, in this life, doesn't it? We have the scriptures. We have all the scriptures. We can read the accounts of this man that was put to death for our sins. Yet there's many in the world who still don't believe. They still don't believe in the risen Christ. And that in him salvation exists in no other way. So knowing this, we need to make the appeal to others. We have Moses and the prophets. We have the one risen from the dead. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with that information? Are we telling others about it? We benefit from having the gospel. The complete revelation of God. Are we still stuck in this world, rebuilding our barns? Or are we continually trying to lighten our earthly load, knowing that we are just on a pilgrimage, trying to get rid of those things that weigh us down in this world, knowing they're not going to help us get to heaven? Another way that we benefit right now is that there is no chasm fixed between us in this world. There is no separation in this world. We still have opportunity. We have opportunity to tell our families about the kindness and severity of God. We have time to tell them about 
the way that God treated his children, the children of Israel, yet they kept continually turning their back on him. And avoid those kind of mistakes. So much of Paul's writing in Romans is about that. Here's what they did. Don't do that. We have the opportunity to tell them not only that, but we have to tell them the opportunity to tell them about the risen Christ, that there was indeed a man who preached the word in and around Galilee, taught many things, performed many wonders. And as John says, these things are written down so that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we have the opportunity to tell them about this man who was raised from the dead. Is it going to be enough? And we need to tell them that indeed, while there's no great chasm fixed now, there is a time coming when there will be. There's a time coming when there's going to be a separation between those who practice righteousness and those who practice lawlessness. There is a separation coming. Our scripture reading this morning was from Matthew 25. Larry read a few verses for us. I want to read a few more in that passage. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put his sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. At that point, it's too late. The size of the barns won't matter. Only the treasures that we have been storing up in heaven, that will matter. Things we have been doing of a spiritual nature what we have been doing with our time on this earth. There is a separation coming. Those in the religious world often want to teach that we're all going to get to heaven, we're just getting there in different ways. Scripture says otherwise. Scripture talks about a narrow gate. And there are few who find it. Don't put off spiritual things thinking there's going to be a time in the future that you can take care of that. Start living a life dedicated to Christ today, as long as it's still called today. If you're not a child of God, I would urge you to become one. If you need further study, if you'd like to know more about the gospel of our Lord, let us know. We're willing to study with you. If as a child of God you are caught in that trap of building bigger barns, I urge you to store up treasure in heaven. Focus your mind and your attention and your work in this world on spiritual things. Love and kindness and mercy. 
That's how we store up treasures in heaven. That's how one is rich towards God. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand to sing to encourage you.